I don't think I've ever seen a ball hit that hard. You know, I mean, you're 70 feet away, and this dude's hitting 120 mile shots off the bat. You got to be on your toes. Even if you're quote unquote in the right, you've done something wrong. Welcome to another episode of Digging Up JP and CV. I'm your host, as always, Nick Ashbourne, and today our guest, who we have been uh, we've been tracking for a long time, like a big game hunt, is Eric Sogard, Toronto Blue Jays second baseman and leadoff man. The guy who sets the table for Vladdy for really the you know the two parts of this lineup that are clicking right now, and that's where we're going to start. And I know that we can't just you know mail it in and every week say let's see say what Vladdy did this week. The Vladdy watch, but this feels like a week that's worth talking about in the context of Vladdy. Four home runs. I know one of them a little bit of a cheapie, but I don't think that was a cheapie. Well, it went off. You know, it was headed for the top of the wall. Until yeah, the but glo- it was I mean, that's what happens aided. when you hit a ball that hard. You get somebody that <laughs> that tries to catch it, and it freaking gets hit over the fence. But no. I, I don't give it a cheapie. It right now that looks like a the same home run as all the other four. Yeah, or all the other three. People will forget it when the, you know comes the end of the year, and people are arbitration. You know, they're not going to the, say arbitration. Ar- I was going <laughs> to say rookie of the year bouts. Arbitration <laughs> is a lot more important. <laughs> Um, no, I, you're right in the sense, you know, he hit, and that was through the rain too. People will forget that, but that was a home run. He kind of, he pushed it through really nasty weather and it was like 400 feet. So cheapy's the wrong word, but you know, lady luck was on his side, which to be fair, she hasn't been for a lot of the two weeks that he started here. He's been getting bad calls. He's been getting guys robbing of hits. So, you know, it's nice to see him get that bonus, but that's kind of besides the point. The big picture is this guy hit four home runs in a week. Struck out just one time, I think, is also an important thing to add to that because he'd been having, you know, he'd been swinging and missing more pitches than you expected. This was the Vladdy you expect to see. Tons of home runs, tons of walks, doesn't strike out. And that's exactly what people got for the first time. Well, I mean, this is the Vladdy Watch Digging In uh, podcast. No, honestly, it's fun, though. I think, look. To have somebody that is that dynamic to be able to talk about all the time is special because, I mean, you look at what's going on around even in basketball, right? Like Kawhi, I mean, everybody's going to talk about him, right? Because he's so special of a player. Uh, for me, you watch the Blue Jays, everybody wants to talk about Vladdy because he's he's that good. He's well, even like on t- we're sitting here before Monday's game, Vladdy's name isn't in the lineup. And that changes the vibe. Oh, and everybody's like, oh, my goodness, what the heck? So that's how dynamic he is as a player. Um, honestly, it's fun to watch him start to just absolutely, like, catch fire in the sense of, you know, we've talked about it. I've said this before. He was going to hit a home run, and then he was going to go off, right? It's the whole yeah. Pringles. Once, the, once you pop, the fun doesn't stop. That's what, it's gonna, that's what happened, right? That's as, as home run hitters, that's what happens. You hit the first one, and then you get going. Well, he hit the first one. Then the next at bat, he got a single. Then he hit a home run. You know, like, that's going to happen, right? That's, that's what no, no one ever thought he wasn't going to hit. What I love, too, is did you see some of his outs? He hit that ball by the pitcher, the line drive, that went by the pitcher's head. And the second baseman caught it. That was oh hanging. yeah yeah. I mean, he's hitting foul balls at 120 miles an hour. I saw the side view of that that ball that was hit. I don't think I've ever seen a ball hit that hard. Like, it's fun when you have a guy that that's 
he's that good. And then now he's starting to take shape, right? And he's taking good pitches. He's taking good walks. Umpires are giving him a tougher zone because he's a rookie. They don't care that he's Vlad Guerrero Jr. They're going to test him and see how he reacts, right? You know, Vladdy is, you know, he's in his own echelon. This is potentially a franchise player. And he, he showed that. Like you said, the exit velocity, I know we can get carried away with it sometimes. Kendris Morales was a good example of a guy who hit the ball hard all the time, but nothing came of it. Like that number alone doesn't always tell a story. But when you watch what he's doing and then you see that, like in San Francisco, that big game he had, he broke out. That's three hits at 110 miles an hour or higher that's ridiculous like guys don't do that Aaron Judge does that from time to time that's like really it's so rare to see a guy do that you mentioned 120 mile per hour that was a foul ball one play that really stands out for me was that home run he got in Chicago and I know that there was some people saying that the wind was a factor and I'm sure it was but the pitch on the home run that he hit yesterday People have said, well, not that it wouldn't have been a home run, but that the wind was really blowing out. It was oh more my, about the that's a home, home run. run. That's a home run everywhere. It's a home run. But the way that pitch was inside and he kept his hands in, was able to draw. Like, guys just aren't able to do that. Like, I, when I saw that, I thought about that swing, that kind of slicing swing on a pitch inside, trying to keep your hands in. And I think a lot of guys, that's a lazy fly ball at best, potentially yanked foul, and he's putting it over the wall at 400 feet or whatever like it was 100 and whatever miles per hour for Vladdy it's almost not it's like 102 miles per hour is nothing but it's like the fact he's able to do that on that kind of pitch is just another perfect example of how special he is yeah I think 94 mile an hour fastball in off the plate after a pitcher had just thrown him a cutter away for him to still be able to cover both sides of the plate because he fouled off that cutter and then they threw him a fastball in and he hit it over the fence I mean, that's why this guy was the one, the number one prospect in baseball. That's why this guy got an 80 grade as a hitter, which has never been given before, right? So that's – people have to understand the special talent that you're watching, right? I, I, I truly believe there's, there's God-gifted people that are just the one-of-ones, that they can do things that people, other people can't. They're anomalies. He is that. He is a person who can do certain things – and again, I, I know that you don't, that people have been like, oh, the stat cast, but, but it tells a story. Well, it tells a story how hard and how, how strong, how impressive this guy is because you look at the top exit velos in the game and it's the best hitters in the game, right? Like these guys are usually the best hitters in, in, as a whole. For example, yeah. you got Stan. You got Judge. Like these are guys that are one guy's making over three hundred million dollars. One guy's on his way to making a really uh, large amount of money. And then Vlad, who's twenty, right? He's gonna get stronger. He's gonna get, you know, more man strength as he gets older. So that's why it's fun to watch. Is because, yeah, you know, you don't want to follow the stat cast, and I know that it can get overwhelming. But also, I think it tells a pretty dang good story about what you guys have and what the Toronto Blue Jays have for a long time and that's the scary aspect of it that i think is important for people to keep remembering because it's going to get easy to forget how young he is as he continues to play and as he continues to succeed it's going to be so easy to forget that the guy's just 20 but you're talking about you know let's say judge stanton gallo when these guys are maxing out their exit velocity and maxing out their home runs we're talking about 25 year old players late 20s as you said guys getting that man's strength look that's a real thing 
Vladi will be strong. As, as crazy strong as he is now, he will be stronger. stronger. Unless yeah. he, like, totally neglects his body, which we know he's not going to do. No. Like, he's a, how much he cares about this game. As, as crazy as things are now, like, this is not going to be the best of no. Vladi that we see. Look at Trout. Trout's starting to hit balls further than he's ever hit before. And he continues to get better. And these guys continue to get stronger. And you do have to remember, you know, how young he is. I also... You know, it's funny because I think in baseball in general, if you're given a term, if you're a, a star hitter, maybe your defense needs work. If you're a, a phenomenal defender, is, this, is he going to hit enough, right? There's always like you can't win on both ends. I've watched his, his defense has been pretty dang impressive. It's been – people don't realize too, yes, he's bigger guy. He moves very, very light-footed for a big guy. And a lot of the plays that he's been making at third base have been – very impressive. He's shown arm strength. It's been it's been fun to watch. Yeah, the arm strength is really there, hundred percent. He seems to have. I know he had a, a clanker just the other day, so it's not the perfect time to say this. But in general, he seems to have soft hands. He's pretty good at gathering the ball. A guy his size is he going to have the most range in the world at third base? No, he's not going to be you know match up and like it, it's just not the reality. But yeah, I've been pleasantly. I was. I thought that he would be more of a problem at third base, and I think he's been kind of at least average. And you could probably argue that he's even been above average and flashed some really good plays out there. Yeah, and it's, so again, I think it's it's fun to watch, and I and it's crazy because you, you know we always start like even with asking other players, you always hear us about Vladdy. But I mean, we could be talking about one one of the best players of all time at some point, right? Yeah. Is that far fetched? At this point, maybe. But I also am a dreamer and a believer in this kid. And I, I think that it's special. If I was a player in that clubhouse, I would be like, man, this is so cool. Because I think at some point I'm going to be able to say I played with Vladdy Guerrero. That's how I felt about playing with Omar Vizquel, right? When he was my teammate here in Toronto, I was like, this is sick. I'm going to get to say one day I got to play teammates with Omar Vizquel, one of the best infielders to ever play this game. Adrian Beltre, right? You get these guys that are kind of – these larger-than-life figures. He's one of those guys, and so it's fun to watch that guy put the uniform on and get out and play every single day. Yeah, there's no guarantees about where his career goes from here. At the same time, when you're this good, this young, the trajectory looks pretty damn good. And as you said, like for these players, and, and you know, we're going to ask Sogard in the interview like, about Vladdy, and I always feel a little bit shy and silly about being like, so what about Vladdy question? But I always ask it because... This is the stuff that in the future we might be looking back on. We might be like, what did people think about? It's almost like it could, you know, we don't know where his career goes, but it could be historic. So it could be like, this is us chronicling the beginning of the Vlad Guerrero Jr. era, the beginning of this remarkable career. We're going to want to remember as much about as possible. And those first home runs, that Giants game is potentially something that Blue Jays fans, if this guy's career goes the way it could go, remember for the rest of their lives it could be a where were you when vladdy busted out so as much as it sometimes it seems silly and it seems over the top at the same time at the end of the day bottom line i don't think we can do this too much well here here's the thing too and and how many you know we got to see sogar face to face right and talk with him and he'll be on our he'll be our guest today but all the players when you ask about vladdy it seems silly when you lead into it but they've all been like, they love talking about him. Every one of them, for me, has. Yeah, no been, one's like, oh, he's a rookie. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's like everybody because I think they also understand the gravity of what this guy brings. So that's fun. I love hearing the different things uh, people say, players say about him because 
you know, they give you a perspective. We're going to get a perspective from a guy who hits in front of him, which I think it's going to be pretty cool to hear what he has to say because there's certain things that he may think that people wouldn't even realize, but he's a scary dude to hit in front of sometimes. Yeah, I think that players realistically have have a better perspective on this than the average person on the street because they know how hard it is to do X, and that's something you talk about a lot, how hard this game was to play. A player understands how hard it is to do the things that he does with ease, and that's what makes him special. All right, we are joined by the elusive Eric Sogard. We've been trying to track him down for a couple weeks. The Blue Jays leadoff man off to an amazing start with the Toronto Blue Jays. We finally got him. Eric, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, apologize for the track down, but happy to be here now. You don't ever have to apologize, first <laughs> off. You guys, big league schedule is tough, and we get it. Um, for me, right out of the gate, everywhere you go, you continue to do well. And I think for me, it's something, I, the game is hard, but also there gets to a point where mentally, you have to be like so bulletproof up top because you go to camp, certain things, you know it's tough to make the team, different places, you've had good big league seasons and then you, you end up in another place. How do you keep so strong to be able to keep on pushing forward, going to AAA, proving yourself in the big leagues? AAA, proving yourself in the big leagues. Yeah, I mean, this game is certainly very challenging. You can go through roller coasters, up and downs, and I think just continue to have that persistency, continue, continuing to work hard and you know have that goal of, of continue to play this game at the highest level. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a crazy journey for me. Obviously, getting back up here with the Blue Jays has been great. Great group of guys to go to battle with every day. So just, you know, happy to be here. For now, you see the, the different changes and swings from when we came up, right? You, you came up, a lot of swing down, different adjustments. Throughout your career, what adjustments have you started to make and the differences from when we started to now, the, you know, the verbiage of, you know, get on plane or, or, you know, launch angle, all this stuff. How have you been able to make those adjustments? Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, a lot of different information out there with, with swings. And for me, I was always kind of a steeper path, you know, always taught to swing down on the ball, try and create backspin. Um, but, it, you know, that flatter bat path was something I definitely wanted to explore throughout my career. So there were times I did it and kind of didn't know what I was doing and, you know, it didn't really get the results. But I think over time I was able to kind of, you know, take some stuff from it take stuff from my you know original swing and kind of you know merge it all together and kind of you know come up with something that's been working for me and you know I think it's 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 helped me for sure kind of on that I don't know if you remember this conversation but with early when you joined the Blue Jays you and I talked briefly and I was writing a story about contact hitting in an age where everyone is taking these huge swings and misses and how you were kind of a guy who was a bit of a throwback and then you go out and ruin my story by saying a career high in home runs like <laughs> two weeks later with this huge run of power so what first of all why do you want to ruin my career and secondly uh what do you think's accounting for you getting a few more over the fence than you have in the past yeah i'm definitely not up there trying to hit home runs i mean like you said i'm up there trying to you know get good pitches to hit and you know put the barrel on it not trying to strike out too much um you know with the home runs you know they're gonna come it's 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 definitely not something i'm trying to it's almost more of a, mis a mistake in a way where I'm up there trying to hit the ball hard on the line, and if I'm able to get under it a little more, maybe it is that that bat path that I've been working on. Um, you know, allow me to elevate once in a while. You know, the ball's going to go, but you know, for me, you know, continue to try and work line drives around the field. 
one of my favorite pieces of Eric Sogard history, if you can call it that. I think baseball fans are familiar with it, maybe not Blue Jays fans as much, was the face of baseball. We're going to dial it back five years. Yes. When you were this close to being named the face of baseball, <laughs> just lost out to David Wright. First of all, I want to know what that experience was like for a guy who's not generally been thrown in the spotlight. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, and then also, if you believe the conspiracy theorists who believe that that <laughs> contest was rigged, because there are people on the internet, I was doing kind of digging into this when we were going to have you on, who believed that you were robbed and there was an MLB conspiracy to have David Wright win the contest. So I'd like your official word on that. No, it was a neat experience for me, obviously. It was, it was a Twitter-based uh, kind of competition where the the fans took over so you know the oakland fans are very uh you know they get after it so it's something they want they go after it and they you know they got me to the finals and it was it was a fun ride and i did hear some of the conspiracies about you know the uh the bots voting for for david wright I'm not sure if it's true or not but i do know i'll the, just uh, say you were in the lead at 4 a.m <laughs> and then there was this surge of david wright votes <laughs> I mean, I've seen the numbers, and I think, you know, it's worth questioning. If you yeah, were to question it, I wouldn't blame it's you. It's a little interesting, for sure. But, no, it was, it was fun all around. i got to thank the, the Oakland fans for, you know, letting me enjoy that ride, for sure. Well, everywhere you go, I, fans seem to love you, and it's easy to, to see why, the way you go by your game. Where did the, the – what's the story behind the, the nerd power, right? I'm sure you've got that asked enough. But just to, to really tell people out there, where did that come from? The Oakland fans again, of course. I mean, we got the, you know, out in right field out there, the most exciting fans. And, uh, you know, one day I walk out to be blessed with a sign with some glasses that say hashtag nerd power. So not going to lie, took me a little while to kind of embrace that one. But, you know, I saw it was, it was all positive in their eyes. And, it was, you know, it turned out to be really something special. Um, a lot of times now going around different stadiums, I see kids, you know, that say, hey, I wear my glasses when I'm playing now. I see you doing it sometimes, you know. This is a big goggle team. You got Jansen, yeah, we, you got Trent true. Thornton, you're yeah. a pioneer. But honestly, if you think about it, I was going to ask you that, and you got into it a little bit. I imagine for you, it's special to have kids say that because you see people with Oakleys. I mean, when when I was younger, when we were younger, right, you saw the rec specs, the goggles with, with right. the, the strap on the back, right? But you're a major leaguer succeeding with regular glasses. One, what was your process to finally just say, I'm going to do glasses or over anything? And two, how cool is that? Because I'm sure there are kids that now believe they can do this because of you. Yeah, it is special to see and hear those kids. I mean, you know, some of them saying, you know, I might not be out there playing with my glasses, but, you know, now I'm fine doing it. And, you know, it's something I had to, had to deal with. I think I was... I wasn't as young, but I was 14 or 15 when I first started wearing glasses, and even then I would I would put my contacts in for for school, and then when baseball would come around, I'd take the contacts out, throw my glasses on, and just I saw a lot better with them. So you know something I you know always stuck with, and you know it was had a neat neat experience in Oakland with a company called Vision to Learn, where we got to go around uh, underprivileged schools and. Know, give glasses to to kids for the first time so to see the looks on their faces the first time they could really see clearly was really really something special one thing that we we have to do and uh, i'm gonna apologize but basically everyone at the show we gotta do the generic oh, what are you seeing from goodness. vladdy yeah, question vladdy but you are thing. hitting in front of vladdy so at least you're on base you're you have a different vantage point than the <laughs> average player what's it like been hitting in front of vladdy so far and 
like this, you know, this last week we start to see the fireworks show that everyone said was coming and we kind of knew was coming, but it, you know, became real. Uh, what was that, that like seeing the guy behind you just go off like that? Oh, there's certainly more to come. Um, he is truly a special player and I mean, to see some of these balls he's hitting when I'm on base, it's incredible how hard it comes off. I mean, I'm sure there's gonna be times where I might have a triple in the bag, but I'll be staying at second, scared of him, you know, pulling a ball to third when he's up. Just, I mean, it's it's truly incredible. It's, well, you know, it's funny that I used to feel that way, Edwin and Jose, right? Yeah. And people don't even realize that as <laughs> when you're taking a lead at third base and you have a guy that's hitting the ball that hard, you're legitimately Getting closer like, to the danger zone. Life. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, you're, that's you're people in don't the know danger that. Zone. You are in the danger. I mean, you're 70 feet away, and this dude's hitting 120 mile shots off the bat. You got to be on your toes for sure. Obviously, not only are you a great player, but you're a great human being. And uh, you guys just added another one to your family. You said four was total. You guys adopted. Talk about how special that is to be able to, uh, you know, help somebody else have a life, right? I think that's that is unbelievable. As soon as I saw that, I thought it was, you know, hey, hat tip to you and your wife, obviously, for doing that. But how awesome is that? No, we're extremely excited. And that's something my wife and I had always talked about. Uh, my wife grew up with two adopted sisters herself. And it was just something that we always felt if we had the means to do so, we would love to do so. And, you know, um, you know we have three of our own now. And, you know, this past off season went through the, all the home study to get certifi certified and whatnot. And, you know, it ended up happening a little sooner than expected. But, you know, we are certainly excited. We got a new baby girl healthy as can be and the other three love her to death so it's, it's great speaking of that kind of you know the off the field side of it what are your impressions of toronto so far now that you've had a time to settle in and think about what you're going to spend your off field time on what you know whatever it is that you like to do what is your impression because you've you know you've been around this league a lot you've been in a lot of cities even in AAA when you've been working your way back to this what what has struck you so far I mean I love the city in general it's always been one of the you know more enjoyable cities to come to on the road and now to be here as your home it's it's great and uh, you know we stay really close to the stadium so there's so much to do around I know the family and the kids get out a lot to just uh just explore so it's been it's been great and we're you know happy to be here for sure well listen uh thank you for coming on uh i have one of the marketing girls michelle which you know she had uh, said to me what did i think about the nerd herd uh, i don't know if that was brought up to you yet has that has that been brought up to you uh, it has been mentioned once i mean if it, if it goes off it goes if off. it sticks it sticks <laughs> it sticks it sticks all right well thank you for coming on we know that you have to get ready for a major league baseball game and uh, and i'm very happy that you're in the major leagues and continuing to prove why you deserve to be here so thanks for coming hey thank you guys for having me i appreciate it well obviously a special human being right there Eric sogard and and for me nick how much fun is it interviewing guys on the field? I think it gives it a different vibe when we can sit here and, and talk to the guys with obviously the, the background sound of the, of the music and the stadium and baseball, but just being with those guys in the dugout. Well, and they're in their element too, right? And, you know, we're t pulling back kernel a bit how the show works, but often we're calling guys and, you know, they're kind of rolling out of bed. Like we're talking late morning. You know, these guys have late nights. They wake up late morning. They, we talk to them before they come to the ballpark and we appreciate everyone's time. We've had some great interviews over the phone, but there's something to be said for being able to look into a guy's eyes. Wow, and, that's getting, that's getting very deep. deep. No, yeah. Yeah. no, but understanding how he's taking things. And like I said before, seeing someone 
you know, in their element because, you know, I don't think I'm at my best when I, in the first, you know, 45 minutes after I wake up sometimes, but when I, you know, get to work, as everyone who works with me knows, I'm a true pro. I'm ready to go and my mind's in the right spot. So it's good to get guys in that spot. Like when we talked to Trent Thorne, for instance, back in the day, and we got to talk to him like really shortly before his MLB start, MLB first start, I thought that that was a really special moment. So it, it is fun to be able to have that and take it a little bit deeper. Yeah, and shouts out to the to the Blue Jays PR for they're always great with us and allowing us to do that stuff and get on the field and mix it up with these guys because it's I don't think that everybody gets that opportunity and uh, and I'm thankful that they that they uh, take care of us to to give us that opportunity. So it's always fun and uh, you know it, it's a special time when you get to sit down with a player in his element. And hopefully they enjoy mixing up with us. I don't know if I can guarantee that. We've probably had some hidden hits and misses over the we episode. We can self-proclaim that we're probably their most fun interviews. I'd say we're, we're definitely above you know the average fun line. There's probably some, you know, I don't want to say we're the world's best, world's greatest. Don't want to be too braggadocious. But I think that, you know, if we look at the standard median for amount of fun had, we're safely going to be above that most of the time. So today's... MLB-wide topic is a little bit less fun, to be honest, uh, but one I thought would be interesting to go through with you, and this is the, the Derek Holland incident that happened last week where he basically told me, I'm going to read the quote. It's important to know that he, he circled back on the quote and said, like, I was frustrated, blah, 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 but I think it's really interesting what he said. He said, to be honest, I have no idea what they're doing. This is referring to the Giants front office. I don't mean that by boaching them. It's more the front office. I guess I didn't need to clarify. Uh, we keep changing a lot of things. I did a fake injury. I'm not happy with that. At the end of the day, I do whatever they asked me to do. So it was kind of shocking for him to drop in that. And it, this was just in a scrum in the Giants clubhouse. For him to drop in, you know, I did a fake injury. Because it's sort of an unspoken thing that these things happen in baseball. We know the Dodgers are some, sometimes kind of quasi-infamous for their manipulation of the IR or the disabled list, injured list, whatever you want to call it. But this is one of the most explicit things we've ever heard of a guy saying, I did a fake injury. And then he later said, you know, it was ongoing, blah, blah, blah. But I, I wanted to bring that to your attention and to talk about the ideas of quote unquote fake injuries in baseball, because it's an interesting one. We've talked off record about guys we suspected might have been in this boat before, and we don't need to bring up those names now but there's also the idea of what is a fake injury because if someone needs a mental break because of the way things are going in their game shouldn't that just be something that we are opening openly allowing to happen as well all the secrecy around it is kind of weird so i just wanted to get your thoughts on the issue well there's a couple things first off throughout the minor leagues they have what it's called a phantom dl which is a fake dl and it's and that's something that does happen there's a lot of guys, if you're the odd man out, they'll put you on the Phantom DL for seven days and then, you know, barring a move, then you come off the Phantom DL and you're not hurt. You're just there and they, they just don't have any space for you. I think a lot of teams will have a Phantom DL still in the big leagues. I think there's two parts to it, right? Do I think it could be looked at as a crappy situation on the team's part? Yes, because there are times which I'm sure this is one of them, where they're going to try to force you to the disabled list, and you're like, why? I'm not, I'm not, not healthy. Like, I could pitch. And this is, this is crap. You're going to 
because then it could hurt him in negotiations. Hey, how's your shoulder? Yeah, I saw you had a shoulder injury last year, and we're worried about signing you because of that. Well, no, I didn't have a shoulder surgery. That was just a that was just a crap like excuse just to give me a break. Um, the flip side of that is some players are put on the phantom DL, and it actually benefits them, especially guys that are on the can go options. Because if not, they can option. You don't get major league service time. If you're on the DL, you get major league service time. So, and salary. And yeah, yes, major league service time, your salary, everything is the same. So I think there's pros and cons, and it depends on your relationship with the team and how the team's taking care of you. I do think, and I think that's a phenomenal point that you brought up, and I never even thought about it, is there should be something to be said about an IL for a mental like break, right? We're, we're starting to realize how important mental health is and all these different things. I think people real really struggle with certain things. And I, and, and I would rather them say, Hey, we're going to give them a mental 10 day stint on the IL, which I don't know if how that would work. If it's because of insurance purposes, there's a lot of things that I'm sure go into the decision of what they have to write and what they have to say. And this is even a larger conversation on what teams put down as, as injuries to make sure they don't hurt trade value. There's a lot of different ways people finagle the DL or IL, excuse me. But I do think, I, I think men, some people do need a break. And if it's a mental break, just say, Hey, he needs a, he needs a mental blow and, and we're going to send him on a 10 day IL and it's a mental and it's a, it's a mental issue. That's his injury. Yeah. And I think it's totally legitimate. The problems that creep into it are the unfortunate ones where there's a stigma to that. And I feel like some guys wouldn't want to be attached to that where you know they don't want that to be the description and i think that there's there's still people who would consider that to be like oh this guy like i can just imagine those shitty fans being like oh this you know guy making 10 million dollars like because you're not supposed to be human yeah so i i'd like to see that happen because i'd like there to be more openness and acceptance about mental health issues and making and taking them seriously and giving guys what they need and the help they need but there's also a lot of stumbling blocks at that where I can imagine the public backlash. I can imagine certain players not being comfortable with that designation. I don't think that that's anything in the near future that's going to happen. But this situation did make me think about what is the future of that because I, it's something I would, I'd like to see. You know, it just, I don't know if... I bet you will see it one day. It's silly to say, like, we're not ready for it, but I almost feel like we're not ready for it. Yeah, I think think we'll see it one day, though. I think we'll see it one day where they're where they'll have an opportunity to, to get a blow. But, I mean, this Like Chris Davis, for instance, in the middle of his historic oh, yeah, street. His like, wouldn't yeah. that have been good if they could have said, you know what, he's going he's gonna to take a break, we're going to take him off the... Because he's not someone you can option like yeah. because of his contract, all that stuff. They were kind of stuck having well, him on the Well, the only team. problem, too, though, is then you'll take... You're going to have teams that are going to manipulate it, yeah, right? Yeah, it that's opens another, the door. Yeah, and so you that's... A, that's the sucky part of this thing is you always have to see on the flip side is how are teams going to take advantage of it? What, what, how are they going to use this to an advantage? Because you know that at some point they possibly will. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of crazy things. The IL, why they, you know, they change the f- from 15 to 10 days. There's a lot of different things. Teams do a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with that injured reserve list. And again, giving even false injuries as far as maybe it's a lot worse than they know, but they call it just like a strain, but they know that it's something different because they're trying to keep this guy's value up. There's a lot of different things that go on. 
But the one thing that I think can solve incidences like these, right? For example, Derek Holland is communication. Obviously, he didn't have communication with the front office. And I saw their GM and it is, is it, what's his Zaidi. name? Uh, Zaidi. Yeah. I saw his interview where he spoke where he spoke about it. Yeah. And you could tell that this guy had no conversations with, with Derek Holland. No. And so at the end of the day, have the conversation. Sit the guy down. Have this open, vulnerable conversation of what the plan is. But because then may, he may not agree, but he's not going to go to the media and say, it's not Bochi, it's the front office. Well, he says, I, when he says, like, I don't know what they're doing. Well, if you had a conversation, you would know that you might not agree, but you would and know. It, and, it, and it doesn't, so then it doesn't allow for these, like, dumb things to happen that don't need to be public, right? Because a lot of stuff happens behind the scenes, but communication can nix a lot of these things in the butt. And we, like, we've all been in those situations in a workplace where a decision is made above us, but we don't agree with it. And if nobody talks to us about it, that's when the resentment wells up. It's like, this strategy is stupid. You're asking me to do it, and you, I didn't get a say in it, and you never told me why, but you're asking me to do X. And even if you don't agree with someone, if someone sits down with you across the table, man to man or whatever it is, and says, like, this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, this is what we see your role in it being, you may not agree, but at least you're going to have a, a higher level of respect. Well, yeah, and then, and then again, we, would, we wouldn't have this situation where – you know, Derek's going publicly and saying, I don't know what the heck's going on. And you have a GM that's saying like, oh, well, sometimes, you know, I think what it, the way he uses verbiage was like players and teams disagree, yeah, yeah, disagree on what an injury and is. Some guys aren't really good with reality. He dropped in there, too. He had a little bit of that. And here's my thing. That's fine. Talk to each other. One doesn't have to go to the media and have this conversation and say that he doesn't know what's going on. And the other guy doesn't have to go and say, hey. Sometimes they're not in touch with reality. Like, hey, save it. Allow these things to happen. Be a pro. Communicate. Sit down. This is the thing in professional sports, and it still happens all the time. And I don't understand it. You talk to players, and they're like, hey, you know, let's say his name is X. Hey, X, what's going on? What have they told you? Oh, they haven't told me anything. I'm going, what? <laughs> like, dude, at what point do you forget the human element that no one likes things to happen and not understand what's going on? So if you tell them ahead of time and they may not agree, that's fine, but then they still know where they stand. And it's still a problem in baseball. So it's even even the fake IL thing, even bigger conversation is communication. Like communicate, guys. Have the conversation. Be honest. Well, we we joke about Ross Atkins sometimes about how he kind of sounds like a broken record. But if you listen to the content of what he says, he is always talking about collaboration, communication. Now, we can argue whether he walks the walk on that or not all day in terms of where he is with certain people in the organization. But as a premise, as an idea, there's a reason why he's always talking about that. Because when you keep people included, that's when you keep people feeling good about their workplace. And, you know, the Giants, clearly, this is an example we've seen where people don't feel good about the workplace and you know that's a team not heading in a great direction right now and you know i know zaidi's a very well thought of baseball mind and whatnot but there's cl it's clear that he blew it to an extent in this situation because whenever your player is calling you out the front office publicly you even if you're quote unquote in the right you've done something wrong all right we're going to finish this off the way we always finish it off with a would you rather 
This one I thought would be good for you because I know that you are someone who takes pride in kind of, I would say, treating people the right way, being nice to people, being polite. Like the, the smaller niceties of life are something you pay attention to. So it's this very basic. Would you rather never be able to say please or never be able to say thank you? Wow. That's a that's a good question. I don't I I would say I would I would always want to be able to say thank you. So I would I would So if that's the answer then I would say never be able you to say You want to always be able to say thank you. So if someone does something for you, you can always say it is tough. If someone's like does you a gratitude. favor or something and they're and then you just kind of stone yeah. face them, that's I would tough. I would always want to be able to to have the gratitude to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you cuz I feel like for me, and my thought process, the humbleness is to be able to say thank you and 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 just really have that person a, a feel like you appreciate what they did. Please is obviously also very nice because I think it'd be tough to go give me that. Hey, give me that. Uh, give me that mic right there. Hey, give me this or hey, do this for me, and not say can you please excuse me? Can you please move over? But. I think thank you would be better because then it it's makes things a little easier. If I were to push a guy out of the way and say, hey, thank you, man, and keep on walking, it would be different than if I just please move poof, and walk by. I think thank you softens it a little bit too. I talked, to this, I talked about this with Zoobs before I asked you, and one thing that he pointed out that was interesting was you could sort of use thank you as please a little bit. So you could say like, uh, can I get that mic? Thank you. Like kind of almost right away. And it, it's kind of, it's not ideal, but it's something. Whereas it's harder, I think, to say thank you with please. Yeah. Like if someone gives you something, you're like, oh, please. Yeah. And they'd be like, wait, Hey, here's, here's uh, that, that order you ordered. Oh, please. Yeah. Uh, it, please. You, yeah. Talk about socially awkward. I feel like people are like, what, what's going on? I know there's some other languages where those type of words are a little bit more interchangeable. In German, bitte, please, is also you're welcome, which is interesting. I think there's a few other examples like Italian where prego kind of goes in a lot of different directions. And English is pretty yeah, clear-cut lane. Yeah, it's cut dry. I definitely, I, I would say thank you for sure. And I don't know, I mean, I would love to hear somebody's view on please and on it on them being able to say please over thank you. I think that please is one of those ones that would add up. Like if you keep asking for stuff and you never say please, people are like, oh, wow. Whereas, but I think people will notice you not saying thank you the first time. Yeah. If you don't, if someone does something for you and you don't thank them in any way, I think they'll immediately notice that. Where if you just say, can I grab, like can is a great way to couch away yeah. from the please. So it's just like, can I grab that from you? Could I get, I don't, <laughs> this yeah, is but so I think, cliche, I think, like can I, I get some sugar? Like, yeah, what? I like, but I, I think, think thank you, I think thank you softens it always. You can yeah. not say please, but if you say thank you, then they're like, oh, that oh, was you remembered. That was yeah. yeah, I think that at the end of the day, I would probably do thank you. So also, if you don't have thank you, then your Thanksgiving is in serious jeopardy. Like, I don't know what you're going to do without being able to thank Yeah, you anyone. can be thankful. You're just like, oh, please give me more turkey. Please yeah. give me gravy. Please give me those peas. I want to give, give please for this great yeah. meal that we're having today. <laughs> yeah, that would be tough. I Either one is tough. I know that it would strike you because you're, you know, you're one of the more polite people in my circle. And I, li I have some animals around me for sure. They know who I they are. I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, that. And uh, you know, I'd say you're on a higher tier of, 
of those niceties. I try to, but uh, yes, thank you. Thank oh. you, Nick. Well, and thank you to everyone who's <laughs> listening today. We appreciate you. We're always pleased when you, uh, you know, listen, subscribe, leave us reviews, good, bad, honest. We're here for all of it. Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you every time you listen, and uh, we hope you keep doing it. 